Yes, 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 yes. It is so wonderful to see you. Oh my God. Happy New Year, yes. all amazing. Yes. You look amazing, girl. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's wonderful. To, where are you? Where are you? Are you in Chicago area? You're in DC. No, you're in DC. I see. I see. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Left Carbondale, went to Connecticut. Did a okay. There, then okay. DC. Now I can't leave, and I'm trying to leave, but it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But I'm so excited to talk talk to you. Like, oh my god, it's been like almost 20 years since I've seen you. Oh my gosh, I was counting up the years uh, earlier today, and I'm like 2007. It has been a while. Yeah. A while. Crazy rides since then, so excited to catch yes. up. Okay, so before we start everything, one, okay, thank you for joining us today. Oh, We're so excited. Lord. We're going to get into who you are, all those things. But first, this is the Rose Hour, and we got to know what are you drinking? You know, I am a fan of Say Yes Way Rose. It's my fave, low in sugar, keeps me together and I can enjoy it. So that's what I'm having. Okay, and I'm doing this amazing La Ville Ferme Rosé. Uh, pretty good, and it actually had like a pop top, like one of those pop tops where you have to get like a nice. thing to pop it off. Yeah. It's good, delicious, and fun, fantastic. Okay, now we gotta get into this because all this year, you know, we are, we're trying to try different things. Every month we're focusing on different things here at the Rosie Hour. Sure. And January, you know, everyone kicks in with new year, new me. No something different. And so we're like, health and wellness. And we talked to uh, OBGYN the first Thursday of this month. Okay. We did a workout class last week. And yeah. Now, we gotta get our mental together. Yeah. And that's why we're talking to you. And so I am so excited and I'm glad that that is factored in because that's, you know, having mental wellness be a part of the conversation as it hasn't been a part of the conversation, you know, for so long. I think that's really important and kudos to you for including holistic wellness and not just, you know, physical health and, and recognizing that there's more than one avenue to wellness. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to do it all, right? Like, for sure. It's so complicated. We, we're going through COVID, we're going through mortgage crisis, we're going through family crisis. People are losing people, yeah. people are gaining people, people have babies and they didn't think they could have babies, all these COVID babies. Like, life is hard. But before we get into all of that, one yeah. give you the platform to talk about who you are and how okay. you got into being a therapist. All right, so um, I'm Jamila, and I am the owner of Reclaiming Minds Therapy and Wellness, and we are based here in Chicago, um, although, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later on, we are expanding to offer support and coaching uh, nationwide, so really excited about that. But we are a group practice that's designed uh, primarily to address the concerns of women of color. Uh, that has been my platform. That's kind of how I got into the space myself is, you know, being uh, going through a grieving process and looking for a therapist that I felt I could relate to and having such a difficult time 
finding a woman of color uh, to meet with. So uh, I was working in mental health at that time. However, I was working in more of an administrative capacity. And I thought like, you know, what would it look like for um, me to step into that private space, right? And doing that one-to-one therapy. Uh, So when I finished grad school, continue to work in different capacities. I've worked uh, doing training for individuals who work with individuals with mental health issues. I've done uh, supervision. I've done, uh, like I said, the administrative work. I've worked in so many different capacities since, uh, what, 16 years in mental health. Um, But then in 2012, I decided to shift paces and go into direct practice um, and immediately found it to be fulfilling, immediately, uh, again, seeing the need uh, for persons of color in this space, uh, providing culturally sound and culturally competent services. Uh, So since 2018, I've been in my own practice and we have rapidly expanded. Uh, And now we include a nurse practitioner on staff um, and we are 11 clinicians deep uh, providing services, uh, telehealth and in person. So it's been quite the journey. Wow. And I mean, one, to hear your story about why you went into it, you know, the grieving process, um, that's hard because there's so many people who are grieving, right? right? And, yeah. and don't know what that even means. And so love to like hear more about like, yeah. when is a good time to go to therapy? Because I think there's many reasons for grief. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean necessarily like, you know, to lose someone in this, you know, this life form, like you could lose someone in a relationship or uh, a job or something. So like where you can come in so many forms. So when is it actually go to therapy? Well, you know, I am of the mindset that any time is a good time for therapy. Um, You know, just as we are wanting to stay attuned to our physical health, we owe our mental wellness that same focus, right? So when we recognize like, you know, we're shifting through different spaces in our lives, um, life looks different, you know, since we said since we've seen one another and since we've connected, right? So the different phases of life and for me, what motivated me was the passing of my grandmother, right? Who had been such a monumental figure in my life. Um, And being from the west side of Chicago, I wasn't necessarily exposed to mental wellness as being something that was core and foundational and needed um, in order to, you know, kind of stay well and keep it together. So that was the thing that catapulted me, but it's been so exciting over these last years to see mental wellness push into the forefront, right? And recognizing that just as we get physical uh, checkups, is nothing wrong with staying mentally together, right? You need different tools to navigate different versions of your life and you don't stay the same. Life changes. Right. So we're going through things we ain't never went through before. Right. So yeah. as you are faced with different things, it's OK to have that support and it's OK to have a safe space where you can process what life looks like for you as you journey through. Wow. That's very impactful because like people have this stigma about therapy. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, 
something's wrong with me if I go to therapy. Oh, I'm not dealing well with something. I'm not able to cope. Yeah. Or I'm not handling things right. And yeah. also within like, you know, communities of color, we look at therapy as like, oh, you're 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 copying out or you're not, you know, handling life right. Like so how mm-hmm. do you help clients who sort of like need to get over that hump of you you're not you're and that's not, not crazy. Not coming, the right? word crazy, yeah. right, is such yeah, a, a stigma. Yes. I think, you know, when we talk about normalizing therapy, right, and normalizing the fact that we are not always equipped to handle everything that comes our way out the gate, um, and making it by having clinicians that are diverse, it makes it safe. Right. You see, you know, it's traditionally you think of the movies, you think of the older white man. Right. With the pad and he writing and you don't have no idea what (laughs) any of this. What is he writing down? What is he writing down? Exactly. Right. So once you, you know, we normalize it by having a diverse set of people provide services in ways that people can receive it. Right. It doesn't have to look like this stereotypical you lay on the couch. I'm going to sit next to you and I'm going to just jot things down and we're going to this is an endless process that goes on for 30 years. Right. It doesn't have to look this one traditional way. And I think by having a diverse population of therapists, um, then having people speak out about their own therapeutic journeys. Right. Um, That is another way that we normalize it is by, you know, people being vulnerable and expressing like, hey, you know, 2008, I went through a little struggle and I had to get some help. Um, That's how we normalize it and we make it okay. Others give other people permission to be present in that space and to try it out. If it worked for you, who's to say it won't work for me? I like that, that, like normalizing the conversation and like telling other people, hey, you know, I wasn't my best Mm -hmm. self or I was going through or something impacted me and I needed some tools and some yep. abilities to handle things in a better way that I yeah. can be myself. Yes. And this is what I needed to do. And I went to go talk to someone because I think sometimes we think, oh, we're going to talk to our parents, we're going to talk to our friends, well, our partners, our church. The church, church. The church right? I'm going to talk to my pastor. Like as wonderful as your pastor is, you know, that doesn't always cut it. Right. And sometimes you need a trained professional whose actual, you know, space in life is to provide these services. Yeah. And okay, let's 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 dig a little deeper into that because I feel like I want to be a little tacky today. Um, We have a little wine, why not? So there's like in the church, people are like, Oh, go talk to Pastor. He'll he'll be able to help you through this. And many pastors are theologic, right? Like mm-hmm. theologian, right? Okay. They're great with the word and they're able to yes. give you a good scripture. But they're, to your point, not necessarily licensed to be therapists. Yes. How can we have this conversation in communities where we're telling people, you know, this, this, this is good that you want to talk to somebody, but maybe yeah. someone who's certified. In, in this. to do this yeah 
Yeah, I think, you know, what we've seen over the recent years is more of an acceptance um, as mental illness, um, beyond mental wellness, mental illness becomes more pronounced, right? And we're seeing such devastating things happen, right, that are associated with individuals not being mentally well. I think with, unfortunately, it took that, but I think with such events happening and we're seeing such um, like people, you know, making the decision to, you know, uh, engage in suicide, commit suicide. All of these things lead to individuals having more of an awakening, right? That this is not something you can pray away, right? Um, now, prayer can be a coping skill that an individual utilizes for sure. But, you know, when uh, mental illness have has gone into such a place where individuals are harming themselves, harming others, um, not getting the fulfillment out of life that they deserve. I think we've been seeing over time a more general acceptance across the board, right? Where I know, you know, several churches here in Chicago that have a counseling center, right? Where they, you know, will refer you over, right? When the, the things feel a little too challenging. We're seeing the same thing in colleges. Uh, my practice, work, uh, we work with so many students from UFC, for example, right? Where if it exceeds their ability to be able to help you within their own center, they'll send you to us for more long-term support. So I think individuals, unfortunately, it took such drastic things happening, but I think over time when we're seeing such um, a manifestation of how untreated mental illness can impact society as a whole, we're seeing now that, okay, um, people are trying to do this for a reason. So maybe we should include them in the conversations. I, I agree with that because I think, you know, and I think we saw this at SIU too at one point, you know, we we saw that there was a turn of events at some point where students were having some issues and, you know, the campus thought, oh, we can handle it. And they was like, no, nah, y'all need to bring some like licensed people here yeah. to talk about what's happening on campus. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped. Uh, but like to your point, like it, it makes sense to have people who are able to teach people to be yeah. able to help <laughs> with these coping skills. So, yeah. so as we're talking about these coping skills, right? Yeah. Like, you know, everybody's going through something now, right? Everybody has something, you know, whether it's work, kids, marriage, dating, life is just whatever. Hard, right? Life is life. Yeah. Life is life and for a lot of people. Well, for everyone. What are mm -hmm. some things that like people can do who may not be able to afford a therapist at this time that they can do? You want to integrate, um, you know, some mindfulness in the day to day. I think for so many of us, especially, you know, us younger ish, because we ain't young, yeah, young, no more. <laughs> us youngish, you know, professionals, we're so focused on the end journey, the end point, right? We're trying to get things done, we making lists, we checking boxes, we doing all of the things. And what happens is, we develop a very strong sense of anxiety, right? High pressure, everything feels high stakes, even if it ain't 
for real high stakes. Um, so I think a great starting point is incorporating some mindfulness in the day to day. So what does that look like? That looks like, you know, taking a moment to check in with yourself. How am I feeling? That's that simple question. You would be amazed at how many people don't even check in with why am I anxious? What's going on? Why am I feeling like this? Or, um, Physically, how am I feeling? How do I feel in my body? And not just focused on, uh, I got to go to work today. I got this mean, I got that mean, I got this to do, I got that to do. But no, what is going on? So the mindfulness, checking in with ourselves. Along with that, you know, incorporating um, some things that bring us joy, right, uh, on the day-to-day. And not just focusing on checking boxes, getting things done, but how can I fully engage in life? What does that look like? Um, For some people that requires some meditation, some deep breathing, um, you know, Calm app is a great, you know, tool for a lot of people in utilizing mindfulness if they haven't otherwise been exposed to it. It's a great starter app to kind of get you going on what deep breathing, how it can impact the body in a positive way. Um, If you're having difficulty sleeping, for example, which is a common physiological manifestation of anxiety, um, using the app at night before bed to kind of help yourself decompress, having a nighttime routine. You can't go from 100 to zero and then like, I'm not sleeping, but you were going full throttle for the entire day. So some of those mindful tools, I think, will be is a great place to start for all of us in connecting with ourselves and making sure that we, you know, are in are present in life and not just getting things done in life. I love that because like, there are days where I know me personally, I wake up and I'm like, boom, it's time today, to go. Right? And I, I'm like, yeah, today is great. It's uh-huh. wonderful. Uh-huh. I'm gonna do my best. And then it's like 3 a.m. and I'm like, why can I not sleep? And it's because I haven't been like, uh-huh. down. you know, like no. my adrenaline is still going. And like, I haven't like done my skincare, which mm-hmm. I wrap up weave. Like, you know what I mean? Like you gotta like, yeah. bring yourself down. And like, to your point, like having a nighttime routine, like helps make sure like you're telling your body it's okay. So calm down. It's time to chill. Like, congratulations, you did good today. Like, I need to tell myself that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Okay. Now, so the mindfulness is a a huge thing, and I think that's always a great starting point when we want to talk about anxiety. Um, It's a a very key, what's the word, it's like an end term right now where everybody has anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety was. Like, I mean, I (laughs) had no clue. My mom is on the live right now. She's like, we don't get anxiety. Yeah. We don't get anxiety. So like mm-hmm. to hear people, friends, the people at work, you know, people I know are like they're having an anxiety moment. I'm like, I don't understand. Like I don't yeah. I don't comprehend it. But like I think I experienced it not long ago. But like, can you explain anxiety? Because I think yeah. there might be some disconnect for some people who may or may not know as well. Sure. So, so anxiety, you know, it's it varies on the spectrum of how 
the severity, right? So anxiety could just be situational where it's situationally appropriate. You're about to, you know, present something, for example, and your nerves are kind of going, but it doesn't debilitate you, right? That situational anxiety, we all get it from time to time. It's normal, it's healthy, right? It rejuvenates us and it gets the blood flowing and it gets you to engaging in whatever it is that you're doing effectively. That's one thing. The anxiety that gets challenging and debilitating is when it shuts you down, right? You can't function, you can't sleep, it impacts your day to day, um, and you are clearly not a good version of yourself as a result. So that's excessive worry, that's rumination, that's intrusive thoughts. It's all of those things that makes it difficult, racing thoughts, makes it difficult for the mind to shut down. Right. Um, to the point, like I said, where it does impact how you show up and what showing up in the day to day looks like for you. Interesting. OK. And then you said rumination. That's another one of those words that people are dropping out there now. Yeah. One of those two words. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I've heard of it, but like in case someone has it, what's rumination? Where you can't like get past something. It's like constantly go, you're going over it again and again and again and again in your mind, right? Even if this is where it becomes a little tricky, even if you know it's irrational in nature, but you still can't shut it off right so it's like worried beyond worried right where um, and that connects to the intrusive thoughts where it's no matter what you do this one thought keep popping up right um even if like i said it is in truth it's irrational in nature and you know it's not rooted in what you know to be true or the reality of things but it's still something that's bothering you and weighing you down really okay so I think, does everybody have rumination? Is that like something that's yeah. common or? I think it's common, again, but how it impacts us in the day-to-day, -day, um, how effectively we're able to address it, how much we're able to challenge it is where things get a little tricky, right? If you know it's irrational in nature and you know, like, this is not something I should be really worried about, but you still find yourself worried about it, that's where you want to potentially seek some professional assistance in helping de-escalate yourself, right? Because now it's crossed the line from this happens, people encounter this to, okay, now this is starting to monopolize a lot of mental space for me to the point that it's stopping me from doing the things that I need to do. I okay I like I like how you broke that down yeah because um, rumination and anxiety kind of are like kindred spirits if you will yes and rumination can make someone have anxiety because it's the logical thought process that they're having that they are can constantly having over and over and over again yeah it's causing a trigger for them and it's like even though the, the, the situation may or may not come true or it mm -hmm. is or is not happening, they're continuously in a cycle and it's hard to change. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Usually rumination is like a symptom of, you know, it's under the umbrella of anxiety, right? So we're having these ruminating thoughts, these intrusive thoughts, um, to the point, like I said, it's monopolizing a lot of emotional space for you, 
right? It's making it difficult for you to get things done. It's making you difficult to exist in the here and now. So yeah. if anyone's having anxiety or rumination right now or any of these things, please go talk to someone and we don't mean a friend. We, we don't mean a friend. We, you can meet a new friend who is a licensed therapist because they become your friends. You know, um, it's one of those things I think, you know, we all have learned tools to get through. Um, but again, as we are exposed to different ways that we can keep ourselves well and keep ourselves together is nothing wrong with utilizing those tools as well, right? And I, I see therapy as one of those things. Okay. So here's another question. I'm going to just throw it out there like it's baseball. <laughs> um, I know that there are a lot of Black men I hear all the time from my homeboys uh, that are like, I don't feel comfortable going to therapy because there's no one that I can find that looks like me. I don't want to go talk to no old white dude. No, yeah. No, old white dudes. I don't want to talk to an old black lady because it feels like my mom. And then I'm telling my like old personal secrets to my mom. And then like, mm -hmm. they, like they don't connect with me. Like what can we, or where can black men go? Or are there, are there a lack of black men therapists out there? Like what's going on in this, this space? Yeah. So it's funny, my older brother is on, on this, he's watching and he always says, Hey Marcus. So he always says like, you know, acknowledges the things I'm doing for women, but like, you know, what is the space for black men? Right. Um, which is definitely important and it's paramount. And I think, um, there it's a, it's a, a very complicated question, right? Um, it feels as though over the recent years, we are getting more black men to tap into this space, which, you know, obviously that support is needed on a whole nother level. Um, however, I think traditionally there has just been a lack of representation for, you know, I, I think it has to do with exposure. It has to do with who are those that are teaching us therapists to be therapists, right? It's hard to, you know, see a potential for yourself when those who are teaching you are so remarkably different than you, right? So it's it's one of those things where we see it and we acknowledge it. Um, however, it's, it's going to require a lot of foundational shifts, right, in the, the field in general uh, that make it safe for Black men to feel like this is a viable profession. It's a, a, a needed profession. Um, I think it's just so many different factors that factor into why that is a, a challenge. Um, within my practice, like I said, we are dedicated to the work of providing services to women of color, but we do have a male on staff because we recognize that while it's it's been my mission to provide these services in a safe space to women of color, you know, alternatively, you know, they have partners, they have sons, you know, they have uncles, they have cousins, and we want to provide, do our part to provide a space for them as well. Um, there is, you know, just like there are therapy for black girls, there's also therapy for black men, right? A, a directory of, you know, uh, safe clinicians that work with the population. But, you know, as to your point, it's just such a structural thing, 
you know, in such a, a just like it's been a, a paradigm shift for black women, you know, to enter into the space because that was very much so monopolized by older white people for so long, you know, when we talk about decolonizing mental health, that same shift needs to apply to black men and create a space and a lane for them as well. No, and, and that's crazy because like, and I say crazy in the sense of we are new to this space. Like women of color going to therapy is like our generation right now. Like, yes. Yes. women in their 40s yep. and lower are sort of like the normalcy of going to therapy. Yes. And older generations are starting to talk about it only because they see the impact it's had on their children, their grandchildren, yep. and they're being invited to go to therapy sure. Um, sure. to talk about issues and things. Because I mean, I mean, we all know the story, like, we don't talk about that. That's like, that is not, that's not an issue we talk about in our family. That's a family secret. Yeah. But it ain't no secret because it's hurting people. Okay. Trauma, intergenerational trauma is real. And it, we see it all the time. We see it all around us. It's happening. Um, so whether we want to talk about it or not, right, the impact trauma, is very present. Yeah, and trauma travels into DNA, right? Yeah. So, like, if we don't yeah. fix it, it's going to only continue on into each generation. And so that's the, the impact that, that therapy can have is it can stop all that trauma that's unnecessary. Like, we don't have to carry all these burdens. So go well, to therapy. I'll talk to somebody that's not your friend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So cultural competence comes in as well, right? And that doesn't just exist within a space of like ethnicity and race. Cultural competence is also how can I create a safe space for you know um, different identities that's different than my own, right? That's true. And also with that, like how. How does that work within therapy, right? Like, I think people are nervous. Like, what's that first visit when I go to a therapist? Like, yeah, what they go ask me? What do I gotta do? Is it like a form mm -hmm. I gotta fill out with all of my deep dark secrets that I'm gonna put on on a piece of paper? And then do I have to tell you everything? Like, I did last week that was terrible. <laughs> like, what what is? The, and I think that's like part of it. So like, yeah, how can we take that stigma out of that first visit? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, I always, I'm heavy on the rapport, right? And how to build an openness. Now, there are some things, you know, legally, we got to foundationally explore in that first session. But beyond that, like once we get, you know, I'll call it the housekeeping. Once we get the housekeeping situated, then it's how do I you know, normalize myself, humanize myself, right? I'm not some expert that's here to examine you and tell you what you're doing wrong and tell you what to do to fix your life. That's not my, my role, right? My role is to assist you as you come into awareness of what you want your life to look like and what path you need to take to create that. So for me, that first session, um, in all of the therapists in my practice, we're heavy on how to build rapport, how to establish connection, how to humanize ourselves, right? Now, it's not, it shouldn't, it's like therapy is a very thin line between, 
you know, my good girlfriend and we ain't friends, right? Because it's still that professional line there. But, you know, with a lot of my clients, I know more about them than, you know, their families do, right? I've connected with them in ways that, you know, maybe this is the first safe relationship where it was, you know, a unconditional positive regard, no matter what they told me that has ever existed for them. Um, and these are all things I try to, you know, keep in mind, you know, because therapy itself, the relationship that we establish is a part of the healing journey in and of itself. Because a lot of people are healing from just hurtful and traumatic relationships. So me modeling what a healthy dynamic, what a healthy reciprocal relationship with accountability both ways, it, what it looks like is a part of the journey as well. So that first, those first couple of sessions is dedicated to establishing rapport. You also want to get that foundational information. What has brought you here? Um, usually we send out the, that paperwork primarily before the session um, because it allows them in the safety of their own space and at their own pace to share whatever they want to share or, you know, what thing, and it gives us as the therapist a little forewarning of what we're going into, right? So we know how to approach it. So we send that paperwork out in advance and then those first sessions we're reviewing, we're establishing rapport, we're establishing a foundation of what connection looks like and establishing what they want to get out of the services. Um, that's the other part. It's not up to me to identify what you need to fix. How do you want to feel different after our work together. That's how we mark progress. How do you feel different? And what ways is your life different? Is your day-to-day -day different? Now, now that's important because I think so many people don't know what to expect out of a therapist. And like, they think, oh, when I go to therapy, someone's supposed to like fix me. I'm supposed to just go and you're supposed to fix me. No. No, no. So that is not it. Right. And I think the idea in and of itself that you are broken and need to be fixed. I always we gonna start there. Let's start with the, the thought process surrounding that. Right. Um, accountability goes both ways. I always say, like, I'm not going to do more of the heavy lifting than you are. Right. Um, we could talk about how you want life to be, but are you committed to engaging life in a way that's different to support that? What does that look like? How can you hold yourself accountable? What boundaries you need to put in place for you? Right. So all of those, those things, um, I'm not the expert. I'm there to assist you and guide you. Um, and it's a, a mutual dynamic where we walk along this journey together. And I think that's so important, right? Because I think people literally think therapy is not that. I think people, yeah. and, and I think you've seen it so many times. I mean, you're, you're a therapist. Uh, I just play one on TV. Oh, yeah. I think people come in and they're like, all right, this so, is what I think you're supposed to fix about me because I okay. try to do this. And mm -hmm. like, how is that conversation of like, girl that's that's not what i do here <laughs> that's not it you know i always ask um and, and part of me humanizing myself is being clear about um what you expect out of this and what ways you want to feel different right and then the next question is so what are you willing to do 
differently, right? What does that look like for you over time? Um, how can, are you willing to hold yourself accountable? Right. These are all questions like that. I am very committed to asking, um, because over time you do see where a lot of the, and as a early young clinician, I felt such pressure, right. To like fix things and fix people. And then over time with thankfully great mentoring over time, you discover like, you know, you shouldn't be doing more of the heavy lifting than the client, right? If you feel like you're doing all of the work. Now, sometimes, you know, like I said, creating a safe space means helping them break down those walls, right? Of, of what vulnerability looks like and modeling, you know, how vulnerability, you know, eliminates guilt and shame and how we can work through that. But oftentimes, sometimes you gotta be really honest and transparent. This is what I'm seeing. It seems like you expect me to change your life on Tuesdays at 5 p.m., but at Tuesday at 6, you back to doing what you want to do. <laughs> and that's and not going We're back here again. And we back here again, right? So um, I think part of the thing that has, you know, been a blessing for me in my career is my humanness and my clients appreciate it. And we work well together because of that. So what should a client look for in a therapist? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's important to recognize what you're there for, right? Um, sometimes the, and what you need in one, one season of life may not be what you need in another season. So that's the other thing. Who you need in the here and now may be very different than the type of therapeutic intervention that you need five years from now. You're in a different season, different strengths, and it doesn't take away from this person as a therapist. It's just that you need something else, right? So I always encourage clients to shop, right? We give 15-minute consultations to determine whether just on a very surface level if this would be a mutually good fit for the both of us, right? Um, I don't think it's not a one-size-fit-all dynamic at all where it's like oh you know you a therapist i need a therapist let's go mm -mm, because we all have different strengths we all have different specialties um and you want to find somebody who's tailored and can provide you the services that you need um and it's okay to be honest with yourself if, if you're like okay after a couple of sessions well this isn't working right um and being able to bring that into the space with your therapist if they are a good therapist they can understand that and maybe it's something that could be worked through right some people require more directive approaches some people require less directive and more um more just assistance right and guiding um but you got to be willing to like advocate for yourself speak up for yourself read those profiles right um i'm within my practice we're very intentional with who we market towards and creating a profile that brings in that person right um and i think individuals when they're looking for therapy pay attention to those things ask for those consultations um and really hold yourself accountable to get what you came there for and if you feel like after a while you just talking to your girl and y'all just shooting the breeze direction with no direction as comforting as that may feel is it really effective yeah. 
Okay, that and that makes sense because you want to be able to gain something from your therapist, and maybe maybe it's not your homegirl, maybe maybe sure. it's not a woman to woman situation, and maybe it's not a man to man, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. it's not a woman to man, maybe you need yep. something different. Yep. And that's where you're looking at those specialties. What are, you know, I have advanced training in anxiety and depression, right? Um, I have advanced training in trauma. Therapists within my practice, we, you know, are heavy on continuing education and specialties and honing our crafts within that space, within those spaces. You want to make sure that that person is equipped to provide you what you're looking for and not just, you know, okay, this person accepting clients. And then that professionalism component is a big thing too, right? Um, I have heard all the stories since we've been on telehealth with people, kids is playing in the background and they eating and it's all the things going on. And that's, again, we want to hold people accountable and we want to hold ourselves accountable to get what it is that we're looking for. And if you're providing a service, especially a paid service, it's okay to say, you know what, this doesn't work for me. And especially because uh, therapy is not necessarily covered on all health providers. Uh, yes. So if you, if you are not giving me 110% of your undivided attention, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paying, not a copay, but out of my pocket, yeah. oh, child. That's a problem. We're lighting everybody up in this office, but that's just mm -hmm. me. But mm -hmm. also, I'm in therapy myself, yeah. and I've learned yeah. not to light people up anymore. <laughs> it's a I don't like journey. Yes, it's a journey. Yes. It's a journey. Although I am triggered sometimes. So nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so how can people connect to you, to your services, or yeah. learn more about your amazing business and therapy? Uh, yeah. and, and, and all the amazing therapists within your your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, so we are, um, like I said, ReclaimingMindsTherapy.com uh, is our website. Uh, we are seeing clients in person. We are seeing clients via telehealth. We have an amazing women's support group that is gearing up to start. It does not require that the individuals be in Chicago. They can be anywhere. Um, it's a closed group. Um that is weekly and it's going to be going until it's not going anymore so you know usually with our models of groups we've done like limited time eight week close but we're gonna you know continue on where it's designed for these individuals to build connection and community and go through different spaces of life with one another so um, i'm really really excited about that uh starting in february we got about three slots that are available for that um and you can always follow me on social media uh j jones lcpc and also reclaiming minds uh therapy uh as well for for updates on the practice and we're just really excited about you know providing more holistic services um in a fuller way uh in 2023 uh, okay and just real quick because i know we're we're at time uh -huh. but holistic services just yeah. because everybody does not comprehend the same uh, yes, yes, holistic yes. words what mm -hmm. that means for your business for our practice it means you know providing 
not just individual, but we're talking groups. We also have a psychiatric nurse practitioner on our staff that has been amazing for us in providing a continuity of services. Whereas, you know, some usually traditionally it's like, okay, this person probably can utilize a medication option as a form of intervention or treatment, which is a whole different soapbox, normalizing medication. It's fine if you need it please seek it out. But um, then you send them to somebody who has a four month wait list, right? So within our practice, having her on staff has built that connection where we're just able to refer them over and we're able to work with her. We're able to communicate with her to help find the best options um, of support. And we are talking like pharmacological interventions, medication interventions as a form of services. So having that on staff has been a godsend and we are so excited to have her as well, just to provide that connection of services for our clients. Oh, great. Well, yeah. see, look, you know, Salukis do everything better. Um, you know we you do. Know what a Saluki is, go to Southern <laughs> Illinois University, Carbondale. You'll mm -hmm. find us. That's what we are. Yeah. Uh, Illinois girls do everything better. Chicagoans are the most amazing. And that's why Jamila is here. Love her. She's so amazing. So one of the best therapists in the land. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me. I just, I'm just so grateful for you because you are doing the Lord's work. You're helping so many people. And honestly, to be very, 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 very honest, you are saving lives. So thank you for all your commitment to helping people uh, because it means so much. And I really appreciate and love you. Thank you for everything you do. Of course. Thank Thank you for having uh, having me. And again, I, you know, I think it's such an amazing thing that we're expanding the conversation to also include mental health, as it's so imperative in how we operate and how we exist in our day to day. Yes, definitely. And of course, this is not a one time thing. We're gonna have you back later on this year because we gotta keep this mental health conversation going. Because sure. we got more mental health and more people to say, honey. More more people to talk about this issue with. So for sure, for sure. You're welcome, and I hope to see you at Black Alumni. Oh, girl, I'm in that like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what? what is that? September? A July. No, July. July. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> Bye.